Hi and welcome to Daily Dose Danny. This is episode 29. Here we redefine our lives by following our dreams and build our side hustles. We share stories from passionate women building their dreams based here in Asia and we are building that community that challenges the 9 to 5 lifestyle. If you can dream it, you can do it. Today I'm speaking with Kelly Wan. She's based here in Hong Kong and she is the founder of Compassion Culture. She shares all about mindfulness, emotion management, and how she is bringing this into the educational system here in Asia. Hi, Kelly. Thanks for joining me on the show. Please tell us more about yourself. Hi, Danny. Thanks so much for having me today. I'm very excited to be here. So I help families learn emotional intelligence and mindfulness to help families, especially parents and kids, understand themselves better and manage their emotions in a healthier way. Um, Currently, I do this through um, products. So I have a deck of uh, 44 illustrated cards that help um, parents and kids have these conversations that sometimes might be more difficult. like health, well-being, things, even things like bullying um, that kids may not be so open about and classes that help kids kind of express themselves through a more creative way and express their emotions in a more constructive way. That's great. But what originally made you want to get into mindfulness and into this industry? Is this something you studied or you just stumbled upon it or or what what got you into this industry so there is I mean, there was a personal experience um, that brought me to come across mindfulness that wasn't uh, really career oriented at the time so I was working full-time uh, in retailer staffing something very different and uh, had a job that traveled where I traveled a lot was very very busy um, and I didn't really have much time for anything else and that there was a period of time that was in 2019 where I, I experienced loss within the family. So I lost my grandparents who um, I was very, very close to. And I had, as a result of that, there were various fallouts of family. I was still working um, across the region a lot um, and, and not really having time to process the, the grief and was very burnt out at the same time. So I took this, uh, I didn't know what mindfulness was at the time. So I took this eight week kind of online, uh, one-on-one mindfulness-based stress reduction course, they call it MBSR, um, which helped me, I guess, check in with my my body and really start listening to it because I was ignoring all the kind of, you know, the red flags, right? When I needed rest or, or, you know, relationship, you know, friendship or family relationship wasn't healthy and to start, I guess giving myself more compassion in in difficult times, no matter what's happening around me. And I, even though it's it, it's an ongoing process, it's it's definitely something that you keep learning as you go. But I was able to find a lot more peace within myself and not feel so overwhelmed um, as easily as I used to. And I, I realized that this is something that most people don't learn, right? And I, I took the course, finished it, and I thought, how come we didn't learn this earlier? <laughs> you know, when we're kids or when we're, you know, especially as a teenager, this is something that you, you know, you need more than anything when you've got raging hormones. And 
I thought it was funny that adults learn it, you know, pretty late, actually. And I, I was, you know, I was thinking to myself, no wonder people have chronic anxiety, right? People are burnt out, people fall ill so easily, they keep getting sick, and they're unhappy, right? And um, that's, that's the reason I, I started Compassion Culture, kind of as a, as a result of that, to make sure that kids have at least, you know, the awareness and channels to learn this earlier, so that they're not having to figure this out as, as an adult, because by then you've got, you know, a thousand responsibilities and <laughs> a lot less time for this. So, yeah. That's so true. I feel like this is something you would imagine they have in the school systems. It's like, why are we only made aware of mindfulness so late in life, you know? Yeah. So that's great. Okay. So do you offer it mainly only here in Hong Kong or a lot of what you do is online as well and for international um, kids or, or families as well? Well, I just started this in September, actually. Um, I was designing the cards for, for a year before that, but because it's so new, I'm just figuring it out. Um, I know that there's a lot more presence in, you know, in other countries like Australia, you know, the UK and the US, there, there are, um, there's a lot more kind of integration of mindfulness into schools for younger kids. Um, it's starting to at least, but in Asia, this is so foreign to everyone. And mm -hmm. most people are not going to know what this is. They, they don't even think it's useful for them. They will think they don't need it. And um, there's, I think this is the place to start, even though it's very difficult because there's a lot of education around it. But I think this is the place that actually needs it the most. Um, Hong Kong has been one of them. And I understand kind of how it is to grow up here and also other, other countries in Asia, right, who, where it's very very much results in very kind of high performing places that have very little support for emotional well-being. I think these are the places that actually need more support. Um, yeah, and 100%. also cult culturally. <laughs> it's yeah, right? I, I lived in Korea, as I mentioned before, we started the podcast for eight years and I think the kids there are so stressed. And oh, so, yeah. like, it's just crazy. <laughs> so it's so glad. I'm so glad you're starting this. But I, I really hope that you do expand, like, in other languages, especially here in Asia, because I feel like the pressure in Japan and Korea and, like you say, Asia in general on kids is really crazy. And, and mindfulness should 100% be, be more spoken about and, and offered to, to kids here in Asia. Oh, definitely. Were you were you coming across kids a lot when you were in Korea? Um, when I first arrived in Korea, I was teaching for a minute, and then um, I realized that I'd rather be in digital marketing, so I ended up shifting <laughs> to a firm. But um, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, no, I just I I lived there for about eight years, and it's just something mm -hmm. you pick up. Is like, mm. even as adults, um, I think that's why it's such a heavy drinking culture there as well. because everyone is overworked and stressed and it's like high expectation society, um, you know, and it's, it's intense. I mean, I feel like the emotional well-being balance of kids is definitely mm. not the same as the West. Like I grew up going yeah. to school and after school, I go play and do my thing. <laughs> That was it, yeah. you know. And in Asia, it's like you go to school and then you go to another private uh, institute and then kids finish at like 9, 10 p.m. at night. They don't have a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's sad. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's, it sounds like you had, yeah, you have a childhood which is playing, right? And, you know, kids here, they just, 
that that's seen as oh you're 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 not being productive exactly what do you mean is that's what kids do they just just go and have fun and play and learn outside exactly so but i mean i think there's a lot that we can learn from asia in educational and structure and all of that but there's also a lot Mm -hmm. of from the west which is a bit more of that playful um mentality of like your you know you need to rest you also need to just do <laughs> yeah 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 absolutely it's all balance isn't it exactly exactly so you <laughs> previously you were born in hong kong did you grow up most of your life here did you spend abroad so I was mostly, yeah, so I was born and raised in Hong Kong and left. So I was here until I was 15 and then went to the States from, for high school and then uh, came back <clears throat> after high school when I was 19. Mm-hmm. So I was only away for a few years, really, and then spent most of the time being in Hong Kong is kind of where I ended up <laughs> as well. So Yeah, that's awesome. And where in the States did you go to school? I was, so my family, so I have extended family in New York and New Jersey, and I went to school in New Jersey, just, yeah, just uh, was taken care of by my aunts and went to boarding school. So it's a very different experience from here where you're very kind of micromanaged and um, kind of had all your decisions made for you. It was a bit of the opposite experience there. (laughs) Yeah, which is a good thing too. (laughs) (laughs) yeah awesome so tell me more about your defining moments that shifted you onto this journey to finding your creative voice and passion to to want to do this startup and and start this mindfulness journey yeah so you know what I I think it's um the defining there's so many defining moments but I think the the real defining moment came, you know, as I mentioned before, right? and, and I'll explain in a bit. It's, it's kind of something that was very impactful as a kid. Um, that's a bit more about my childhood, which I'll share a bit more on. And that led to wanting to do this to begin with. But, you know, about how to do it was a whole other question. And in 2019, um, discovering mindfulness was the first step. I think there's so many, I think there's so much more that um, could be learned to um, help families and kids, for example. But it was when my grandparents passed away and, and one, they were kind of model parent figures for me growing up. And kind of in, in, my, in my heart, they were the kind of definition of unconditional love, right? And this is something that I really hope that a lot of families can experience. And um, discovering mindfulness helped me kind of integrate that so that I could turn my grief into something, um, I don't want to say productive, but something that can in turn help others. And that was the first moment, um, kind of having the awareness of that. And then the second moment was actually last year, right? I mean, I think last year was a very, very, very difficult year for everybody. (laughs) And it was also, I think, a time to reevaluate what um what I wanted in life and what what I wanted to do with it right and how I wanted to give back and this was the year that I think I just set that intention you know I I I launched the card deck um for kids and didn't really have a plan but then I through launching the business I started meeting all these amazing women entrepreneurs I'm sure you've met so many yourself as well 
in Hong Kong and I kind of fell into um, different groups, right? And, and one that particularly had an impact was a group that um, was set up. We kind of met through a giveaway, but then we ended up saying, hey, you know, we all did different. We were in kind of different sectors of we're all small business owners, all women, um, some just starting their businesses, some who've done it for, you know, 10 years. And we wanted to create something that was very supportive for each other. So we um, created this kind of monthly accountability group. And what we did was we got together every month and we, we shared our highs and lows, right? So we shared, you know, what went well last month, you know, what was the challenge? How did you resolve it? You know, if, and, and what was your goal for the next month, right? And we held each other accountable for it so that the next time we, we met up, we could share how that went, you know, and if it didn't go so well, why was that? We try to help each other and, and think of solutions. And there was this really nice sounding board for each, each other. And it wasn't, it's not like a place where you just, I don't know, I think, you, there, there's sharing can come in different forms. One is like just complaining <laughs> and, and then not really doing anything about it. And then there's the part where you're very, you've thought about it and you, you know, you want to find solutions to, to make something happen. And I think that's the, the spirit behind a lot of these women, which I really admired. And um, so that's, that's one group. And it helped me accomplish a lot more because I felt supported and so much less alone in, in wanting to do something new, especially and then the other group, which um, you may have seen, is, is a new series of events that we also set up for women. We call it the Women Wine Wellness um, kind of evenings. It's like kind of on, it's on Thursdays every the last Thursdays of every month, and it's very it's a very small group of uh, women who come to this. They tend to be entrepreneurs, <laughs> um, and they you know we talk about a wellness topic we get a speaker in to talk about it but you know the most valuable thing is um creating this community where people can share something quite personal to them something that's important to them so we talk about anything from health to personal transformation right to, from your kind of going from your darkest moments to finding the light and then you know sharing this journey with others so that you can help others get through whatever they need to get through and Anyway, so that's a long, long, long way of saying that there was a lot of, I guess, creativity, a lot of resilience, and the most importantly, this kind of uplifting of each other. And knowing, I think growing up, especially in, in Asia, um, among women, there, there's, I don't know if this is so much in the West, but there's a lot of um, perceived competitiveness and not, um, not being, not really helping each other, right? Not really being there for each other or having each other's backs, right? And this is kind of an old school way of seeing how women are with each other. Um, you might see this a lot more in like corporate um, environments, right? And, and just seeing the opposite, the complete opposite was, was so refreshing. So that was the second moment. And the third one would be um, losing my job in January. So that I was in retailer staffing that was heavily impacted because it required sending staff into stores. Um, so that, you know, in, in, I knew that was coming, but it finally went in January. And I thought, you know, maybe this is a, a sign <laughs> to, to go and, and do um, what is needed. And it was a time, I mean, this is this year, right? And people are at the kind of 
after the protests and COVID, people are kind of at their peak in terms of anxiety and stress, um, given so much uncertainty for so long. Mm. Uh, for fam- families, it's all the homeschooling for so long and not having any support to do that, um, and juggling everything at once and having no breaks, right? And, um, and this is also at a time where I, I was definitely feeling it more than ever. Um, I think I stayed pretty strong last year, but this year I was like starting to cave <laughs> in terms of feeling really, really anxious and, and my depression was kind of on the rise. And, and it kind of made me, I'm grateful, even though it's hard, I, it made me think about kind of the whole, I don't know, just the, the lack of support and what the, the gap that's in, in Hong Kong in a really, we're in a really, like we're in a thriving city uh, economically, but I think in terms of like emotionally and, and spiritually, there's something really missing here. And that was really evident when last year and, and the year before, I mean, you see these articles come out in SCMP all the time. Um, youth suicide was at its peak in 2020 um, in Hong Kong. And there were, so I started looking at various studies and these are a couple years back, but there were studies showing up to 50% of high school kids showing signs of depression. And when, you know, interviewing uh, students at age 10 to 14, which is very young, there were uh, 30% of kids who were classified as potential suicide risk and 36% who admitted to taking their own lives. And this is um, serving uh, over 2000 students in, Hong- in local schools in Hong Kong. And it made me, I guess, think about my childhood a bit more. Uh, it's something that I've tried to leave behind for a very long time, but I guess that's what mindfulness does. It kind of brings back a lot of things that you've buried uh, and hope to never think about again. And I had a really tough childhood. I won't go into too much here, um, but it's, it, I had you know, one parent who was very abusive um, pretty violent and I had another parent who just kind of was a bystander to and didn't really get help for for me or or my mother and it was it, it kind of culminated to a point so when I went to the states for school I was an absolute mess I didn't have an idea of what a healthy um, relationship was was like I didn't know what a healthy relationship with my family looked like and I was just unprepared for, for life in general. I was unprepared for any challenge that came along. I did not know how to deal with stress. I did not know how to self-soothe um, and manage my emotions. So when I was 16, um, I attempted my first overdose and thank God that was the last <laughs> as well, but uh, that was a wake up call and I ended up in hospital and I was put through intensive therapy after that. And that was kind of the beginning of uh, my healing journey and my aunts really tried to help me kind of, you know, dig deeper and recover from this. And, 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 and thinking back on this, right, there's obviously a lot of emotions that come up, but it made me think that, you know, if back then, you know, things happen, but if there was, there was an ability to speak up on mental health, um, or just emotional well-being in, in general, right? Whether in school, just generally in society, you know, with your peers. And these were all considered back in what the, the 90s and early 2000s, right? This was considered taboo. Uh, mm-hmm. It was considered a shame in Chinese families. So my family's Chinese. And um, we were, I was specifically asked never to talk about it because 
to them, it's just something that they don't want to, they don't want anybody else to know, including family, friends, or even our own family. And as a result, I mean, there, you know, this could have been a lot, how do you say, it could have been intervened at a much earlier stage. You know, we could have gone help, for example, and it wouldn't have resulted in the way it would have, right, uh, for, for the most part. So, and it made me think of all these, you know, these kids who are still committing suicide, who are still thinking about it, who are not getting help because they don't know where to turn. Um, we, have, we have school counselors that nobody knows about. They do exist, um, but they are not, also families don't want to get help for their kids unless they're so desperate. Um, but for the most part, they just, they just hope it goes away. And these parents need to help themselves throughout, you know, all this stress, right, that we've been experiencing. And again, it's, it's, just, it's just made me think, you know, it really needs to be something done so that these kids are not growing into adults who have to figure out for themselves because this is why mental health in Hong Kong is, is not great because there's a lot of undealt with kind of shame and a lot of ongoing anxiety and a, a lot of unresolved issues that get passed down to their children and then their children. And then this keeps going. So. Those are the three defining moments. Sorry, that was so long. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I appreciate you digging deep and, and really sharing. Um, you know, it really, I think, explains why you're passionate about what you're doing and why you went the direction and the, the startup route that you did. Um, so I think that's really, you know, a beautiful way to explain why you're doing what you're doing and why you're passionate about it and, and why you want to help. Um, in that particular area as well of well-being and you know so no I appreciate that <laughs> <laughs> you know it, you know it's funny because I I think even just sharing with with others took so long it's just I mean in as an adult right you still feel the same kind of stigmas and it, it takes a lot of conscious um thought right to say hey it's actually fine <laughs> it's just okay to, to tell people Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And I know exactly what you mean. I actually signed up to your next, was it Woman and Wine? Oh, Um, yes. Yeah. Oh, you signed up to that. Yeah. I just signed up. I was like, oh, that sounds amazing. Like, I'd love to join. So I'll definitely be at the next one. I think it's on the 24th of June, right? Oh, actually, it's on the 29th. So we're just going to post that. Um, coming week 29th of July so that's oh okay. sorry yes it's July already <laughs> sorry, that like, was... oh my god wait, it's... <laughs> I'm a month behind <laughs> it's okay we'll send we'll send reminders oh thanks so much I'm so looking forward to having you there yeah I, no. I hope you really enjoy it it's uh yeah it's a really nice space and very safe space as well <laughs> yeah because I know what you mean like I feel like it's it's tough to find you know with the the way we are used to women being so competitive um, yeah. And that's the reason why I started this podcast. And I ended up meeting such amazing um, women um, in different industries and, and just sort of felt that sense like we should be encouraging each other and helping each other. And so I can't think of a, a better way to, to connect um, with more really amazing women here in Hong Kong by coming to one of your workshops. Oh, amazing. Oh, thank you so much for supporting. No. And, uh, <laughs> And you'll have, uh, you'll have, um, the, <laughs> that's another, that's another thing that's quite fun. It's a uh, women, my, w- women made uh, natural wine. 
that does not it's not supposed to give you any hangovers <laughs> this is like okay. another thing that you know we do wine tasting there so <laughs> got it <laughs> yeah well yeah very much looking forward to that so Tell us a bit more. Um, obviously, you were telling us that in January you lost your job and then you started this business of yours. Can you let us know what was the real tough moments for you when starting your own business? Like a lot of people struggle with various things and challenges. Mm -hmm. And what was the biggest thing you learned that you now that you know you'd sort of advise other people? Y yes. Um I consider myself still pretty new, but I think it's, you know, I've definitely learned one, one big thing I've learned is that everything takes time. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm a, I tend, and I know a lot of people who are similar to me. I know other people who are more relaxed, but when it's your own business, it's your baby. There is a tendency to sometimes lose track of how far you've come. Uh, you lose perspective of um, the, the milestones that you've actually achieved. Right. And, there's, there's a lot of, um, I guess, I wasn't really prepared for rejection. For example, this is something I've learned over time and the importance of the persistence of getting yourself out there. So I had this thinking, <laughs> which, which was that if I have something, so a service or a product that benefits you know, my audience, in this case, families, it will get snatched up immediately. I mean, I, I just have a really smooth sailing journey. I thought I just had to nail that first point. And then afterwards, I just mentioned it, people are going to buy it or whatever, right? And I had this mentality for the first couple months. And, you know, some days that, that works out, some days I'm shown that that's absolutely not going, you know, that's not true. Um, there's education. There's, um, I think, explaining the benefits to people. There's, there's different reasons why things take time. And I think also, you know, for example, when I was placed, wanting to place my products in, in various certain locations, right? It's, it's not always, it's still going to happen right away. It takes a lot of kind of following up and then feeling rejected along the way and then following up and then some work out, some don't, right? And, and just being okay with that and kind of understanding that you just end up where you're meant to be as long as you set the intention, right? And you do, you take action, right? You take the right action to reach certain goals but to also be mindful that there's a balance between what you want and what actually happens right because there there's also how do you say i think there's you know when you are a perfectionist which actually a lot of uh, business owners are uh, i am one of them i tend to want everything to go to plan and and that's just life doesn't it doesn't happen like that and actually you, you open more doors that you didn't plan to as well. And just kind of being able to go with the flow, but knowing why you started your business and in the end, what you want to achieve. And as long as you're achieving the broader goal to not kind of nitpick on the details and say, oh, you know, this didn't work out, but, you know, I've seen that it can work for people. Why didn't it work for me? And, and not, not letting yourself ruminate in that and, and just thinking, okay, in my, in my case, I want to help family. So as long as I reach that, and I help families or reach them in certain ways, that's okay. I don't get into this, this bookstore. I don't get, you know, I don't sell this workshop. Fine. That's okay. If I can get my product into people's homes or I can reach kids and, and, and help them in, in other ways through classes, that's okay too. And you'll kind of find your groove um, along the way. And yeah, so I think the, the, the biggest reminder is just to remember the why. 
and um, just remember that's the only thing that really matters the how can change yeah that's so true I think just having more patience with yourself and you know it will automatically work out I think a lot of people often like want things to be off the ground as soon as they start (laughs) your baby (laughs) it will grow slowly (laughs) it will sometimes it will be slower right even after maybe a period where you did really well and that's that's just how it is everything has its cycles right and you can't just be on like 100% all the time which is what everyone wants but you just can't (laughs) exactly exactly so what are some of the lessons you learn along the way that you wish you knew from the start um, I think it's a lot of the similar things. It's about time and patience. Um, and, and not, you know what, not taking things personally when certain things don't work out. I think it's very easy to think that because something worked didn't work out that you, it was about you. Um, I mean, sometimes it is. And that's when you have to make certain changes and correct it. But I think generally it's having to remember that it's a trial and error. Um, because if, if you don't if you, you don't have a manual when you start a business to oh you just follow you know steps one to ten and then this is the guaranteed result there's no such thing um, whether you're doing something that exists and doing it in a different way or whether you're trying to create something new which is what a lot of people are trying to, to offer and when something is new there's no there's no charted path and and because of that it takes extra work right it's a lot more time and energy trying to figure that out and you're, as you said, right, because it's your baby, you're betting so much harder on it because you care so much more and you take it so much harder when something doesn't work out as opposed to working for someone else. And I think the main thing, um, and something you just mentioned, right, is giving yourself the compassion and understanding. That's extra hard to do when you're, when you're working for yourself and starting your own business. That means a lot to you. It's, it's very, you don't, you don't get this external feedback the way you do when you have a boss in a nine to five office job. And, you know, in, a, in an office job, you also get holiday. You also, you also get a set, you get instructions, right? A set of tasks and, and deadlines to work with. You get promotions, <laughs> you get bonuses, for example, and you just generally have this structure to, to work with, right? And it's, it, with a business, there's, there's none of that right? If you don't give yourself a break, you're never going to take a break. You could work 24-7 and it's never going to be done, never going to be good enough if you if that's how you how you go about it, right? And it's very important to re- keep remembering that and set these kind of, I call them boundaries. I mean, they're, they're like well-being, ba- wellness boundaries for yourself and to remember to give yourself rewards and to remember to recognize the, the things you do accomplish. Um, I have a tendency to get, you know, get something like I really wanted something, for example, it happens. And I'm like, right, okay, got it done, move on, right. And then I'm, I'm suddenly focused on the next thing and obsessing about that. And that's not healthy, right? It's like, I spent five seconds celebrating the, the thing I accomplished. And then now I'm on to the next thing that I don't have. And, and this is something that no one's going to tell you to, no one's going to give you feedback on this. Maybe your, your friends or other, other business owners might, might give you a bit of feedback. But if you don't give it to yourself, you're going to burn out. And I think that's something that I've, I've definitely learned because um, I, I think learning when to stop and when to take a break and when to just sit there and enjoy 
how far you've come. And the ultimate thing that's helped is having meetings with myself in the calendar. I highly recommend that actually, because you can have meetings with so many people. You can have so many tasks in your calendar. You can have so many deadlines, but meetings with yourself just to take it out and do something that you like is so important. And most people don't do that. That's a good idea. So do you have daily or weekly meetings with yourself? Weekly, weekly meetings. So I pick a day where I have, you know, me time. <laughs> That's awesome. That's actually a very good idea. It's like you force yourself to do you in that time frame. <laughs> exactly. And, and it's, I think it's normal to, to, to do that. It's not normal because no one's done it and taught you to do it. But it's definitely normal to have time to yourself. We just don't give it to ourselves. Exactly. It should definitely be part of our schedules. <laughs> yes. <laughs> For sure. So what is the most important mindfulness tip other than having meetings with yourself uh, that you remind yourself of every day? I think uh, breathing, remembering to breathe uh, and to pause. Sometimes you have to force yourself to pause <laughs> And um, also celebrating, as I mentioned earlier, celebrating your milestones and in a daily gratitude practice and just every day. Um, and this is something, I mean, sometimes I forget to do it. I try to do as much as possible and say, what are the three things I'm grateful for today? And just list them out so that it's, you kind of transition your mindset from focusing on the things you haven't done yet, which is very easy, or the things that didn't quite work out or the to-do list tomorrow and to just focus on the now, right? And just say, okay, I'm really glad I did this, I did this, and I'm really grateful for this, right? I'm just grateful for our family, I'm grateful for my partner, grateful for the home I'm in, right? Grateful for the city I'm in and, and just focus on those things so that you go to sleep, not so stressed and just kind of in a, in a, in a grateful place. And I think that really helps with um, keeping your spirits up and your general well-being. Yeah, it's all about forcing yourself to be more in the moment and present. Yeah. Which is so important. Definitely. Yeah. So, okay, let's hop over to the sentence finishers. Are you ready? <laughs> yes. Okay, cool. <laughs> Number one book I always recommend. Uh, this is Thrive by Arianna Huffington. Best um, mindfulness advice I ever received to ask yourself if, if this is going to matter in a day, a month, or a year. The best decision I have ever made. To speak up. I think speak up no matter, um, and, and release your fear of um, being judged in any way. And just, you know what, just, just say what you, you believe in, and set your boundaries, and not feel guilty for saying no. The best decision I have ever made is making pockets of me time in the week, having meetings with myself and practicing Reiki to balance my energy. Do you have any marketing questions that you'd like to ask me? Yes, I do. So my first question is, what's your biggest marketing tip for women who are just starting their businesses? Well, I would say obviously is have a clear vision and knowing your vision, building communication pillars, mm -hmm. and being consistent and repeating it weekly, having like a set weekly content plan where you talk about your core points 
Mm -hmm. And you do that repeatedly and consistently with the same Mm -hmm. branding that really helps people understand who you are Mm -hmm. and what you're doing. And that really niches um, and it helps your audience sort of interact and understand you better. So I think that'd be one. And I think also not spreading yourself too thin. Like you don't Mm -hmm. need to be on all all the social media channels. You choose (laughs) one that you think is the best to reach your target audience and you grow that one. Um, yeah, I think that would that'd be my, my top two. And also, if you want to grow your followers, obviously do a lot of collaborations, put yourself mm-hmm. out there, um, make sure you do podcasts, blog, um, <laughs> you know, guest blogging, whatever it is you need to do. Um, but that really helps to get the word out. Mm-hmm. So definitely consistency in in showing up, right? Yes. For Amazing. Sure. That's very helpful to know. Thank you. Okay, I have one more question. So okay. second question <laughs> is, uh, what's the best, what do you find are the best ways to communicate, uh, sorry, to connect with community? Uh, I know that you have your podcast, um, but especially with people wanting more of an authentic interaction, kind of after a year and a half of being on screens a lot. Yeah, so I think there, it depends. Well, if we're specifically talking for you, um, I would say that the best way to connect with your community is obviously one through digital platforms where you maybe do like a, a quick, you know, a high and a mindfulness reminder on your Instagram stories every day. Um, you know, because that's part of what you need to communicate. And that also Mm -hmm. helps you to connect. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also obviously doing more offline, offline events in in smaller groups and then larger groups, restrictions depending, and just connecting a bit more offline. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I think just being able to, to build a community sharing stories of the people that you've worked with and the kids that you think um, are showing great, um, you know, mindfulness and and just sort of showing more of that community progress and growth and telling those Mm -hmm. stories really makes it more personal. And it shows also the the benefit of, um, of customers that are working with you, how it's benefiting Mm -hmm. them. And I think that really helps sell your product and your vision a lot more by having that, you know, feedback and reviews Mm -hmm. and saying how excited you are that little Tommy or Sarah has made amazing (laughs) progress, you know, or whoever, and like have a cute little video of them, you know, saying, or I don't know, with whatever they've learned from you. Um, Mm -hmm. And that really showcases your products a lot is uh, by having that, um, you know, feedback loop, basically. Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. That makes sense. As, as I think, yeah, I guess that, that makes a lot of sense, especially with um, seeing a lot of testimonials around and it definitely gets your interest, right? <laughs> this is me being targeted. <laughs> Thanks so much for sharing your startup story and defining moments with us today, Kelly. I hope you were all as inspired as I was about her self-discovery and personal experiences that drove her into starting her startup business to help and encourage mental well-being and balances, especially when it comes to education. 
Thanks again for everyone who joined us today. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch up on all the latest from me, please do follow me on Daily Dose Danny on my Instagram. And also remember to support Kelly and follow her social media channels, which I'll link in this podcast description. Join us next week and get motivated.